when it comes to individual sins, the Bible is very optimistic about your ability to overcome them. When Paul said, the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice, he didn't mean that he kept on doing the same sin again and again. Oh no. The flesh is constantly pulling. The flesh has tricked you in the past and it will do it again. But as far as any individual sin is concerned, there is every reason to be confident that you can overcome it. Get rid of that defeatist attitude. You don't have to go on doing the same sins again and again. That's a lie the devil wants you to believe. Sin is a problem for every Christian. It was even a problem for Paul. He wrote in Romans chapter 7, What am I doing? I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. In me, that is, in my flesh, no good thing dwells. For the good that I will to do, I do not. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. The problem is the flesh, that big lump of meat you live in. The Holy Spirit has made a new you, but he hasn't taken away the flesh because you need it to live in for a while. And the flesh has a brain that thinks, it has attitudes and habits, it has hormones, it has desires, and it's been more than a little tainted by sin. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. We've learned that from Galatians chapter 5, it's verse 17. Well, that's the flesh for you. For now, you're stuck with it. You've hung it on a cross. You have told it to be quiet and give your head peace. You don't want to have anything to do with its sinful ways. That's right, isn't it? You have done that. But it doesn't always do what it's told. It shouts from its cross, get me down from here and I'll show you a good time. And sometimes you're fooled by it and you end up doing the things that you don't want to do, the sinful things that you don't want to do. You have a battle on your hands to keep the flesh in its place and it's a lifelong battle. Every Christian has to fight it. Even Paul had to fight this one. But listen, the flesh is not an excuse for indulging your favorite sins. You're not helpless against the flesh, far, far from it. You see, although the flesh can be very strong and can be very tricky, when it comes to individual sins, the Bible is very optimistic about your ability to overcome them. When Paul said, the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice, he didn't mean that he kept on doing the same sin again and again. Oh no, he didn't mean that. The flesh is constantly pulling. 
The flesh has tricked you in the past and it will do it again. But as far as any individual sin is concerned, there is every reason to be confident that you can overcome it. The same Paul who wrote those words in Romans chapter 8 said in Romans chapter 6, The old man, our old man, was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. He said, Sin shall not have dominion over you. He said, Having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And he says too in chapter 8 again, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. And he says, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin indeed. So when it comes to this battle with sin, get rid of that defeatist attitude. You are not a slave to your flesh. You don't have to go on doing the same sins again and again. That's a lie the devil wants you to believe. And never make the flesh an excuse for going on sinning. Well, how do you do it? How do you overcome those stubborn sins that you have tried again and again to shift with little success? Paul says, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He says, if you want to live, you must kill the deeds of the flesh. Those things the sinful desires of the flesh entice you to do. The attitudes the flesh would have you express, the habits the flesh would have you give into, that's what the deeds of the flesh are, and you have to kill them or they will kill you. Strangle them, pinch their airway, cut off their oxygen, cut their lifeline, stop their blood flow. Sinful deeds must be killed before they happen. That's how you overcome those stubborn sins. Now, there are two possibilities that open up here. The first possibility, I suppose it's the one that most readily jumps to mind, the first possibility is to remember God's command. God said, be holy for I am holy. Remember God's command to be holy and exercise your will to do it. Set your resolve, make your rules, grit your teeth and try your hardest. But if you're not very careful, that's the way back to living by rules, isn't it? Legalism, asceticism, running away from the world, burdensome, Joyless Christianity, hair shirts, and maybe the occasional self-flagellation. But there's an alternative to that. Paul says, put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. Did you notice that? Now, one idea that springs to mind here is the thought of the sword of the Spirit. Remember from Ephesians 6? The only item of armor God gives that's an offensive weapon. The only one you could kill with. You could take your sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, 
And you could use it to cut through the fog of Satan's lies. You know the kind of lies that Satan puts into your mind. Bethan sent my mother a cracker of a birthday card this week. It's one of those ones, the interesting thoughts of Edward Moncton, if you've ever seen that. Here's how it goes. Buy me, buy me, lady, cried the frock. Buy me and you will be beautiful, whole and a complete human being. Don't be silly, said her husband, for a frock alone cannot do that. True, said the lady, I'll have the bag and the shoes as well. Men, remember how much you laughed at that the next time you're in PC world or leafing through God of Trader. Flesh, you're screaming at me. Buy this and you will be happy. But God's word says, and this is the sword coming out, God's word says, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Run that desire through with your sword. Do you see how that kills the deeds of the flesh? It cuts off their blood supply. Because all our sin comes from not being satisfied with all that God is for us in Christ. I'm not spending a whole lot of time in this because really it's exactly the same conclusion we came to last week from Galatians 5 verse 5. We through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Righteousness that comes by faith. Righteousness that comes by believing God's word and acting like it's true. We don't kill sin by making rules and living by them. We kill sin the same way we got saved. We kill sin by faith. Believe what God says and live like it's true. Why can it not be by our effort? Why can we not just grit our teeth and set ourselves with determination to stop doing something and do it that way? Well, because it wouldn't work for one thing. You've tried and failed often enough to know that. But of course, it cannot be by our effort because the glory has to be God's and not ours. Well, why then isn't the way to bring the power of the Spirit to bear in sin-killing action simply by praying for it to happen? Lord, take this sin away. Why would that not work? And the answer to that takes a little bit more thought, but the answer, I believe, is because the glory has to go to Jesus. God would have his Son glorified. It has to be by faith in God's promises, like my God shall supply all your need, or in his presence is fullness of joy. And the reason it has to be by faith in those promises is that ultimately, Faith in those promises is faith in Jesus who made all those promises possible. you get that? Jesus made all the promises possible. So when we kill sin by faith in God's promises, the glory goes to Jesus. All the promises of God find their yes in him. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. Well, so far it sounds easy, doesn't it? The temptation comes. You recall the promises of God. You see that stream of promised, infinite, eternal blessing flowing from God in your direction and you realize that you are fully blessed in him and you are satisfied and content with all that he has for you in Christ. 
And that cuts off the lifeblood of the temptation. It robs it of its power to seduce you. Kills it stone dead. Easy. It's easy. It's as easy as dropping an orange. Remember that one? The jar with the oranges in it. The monkey trap. You put your hand in, you grab an orange and it won't come out again. And the only way to get your hand out is to let the orange drop so that you can get your hand out of the jar again. It's as easy as that. It's easy assuming that you love freedom more than you love your sin. It's easy assuming that you want the future blessing God has promised in Jesus more than you want the immediate thrill of the sin. It's easy assuming that you have nailed the flesh to the cross. Have you? You sure? It's easy too assuming that the flesh will just roll over and die. But it doesn't of course. It's rather persistent with its desires. And those desires become very strong at times. And it's easy assuming that you're not deceived by the flesh and its lies, but the flesh is very tricky. So there's a bit more to it than we have said so far. There are other things to be done to overcome those stubborn sins that you have tried and failed with. But before we come to those other things, And I know that what I have said so far is very like what I said last Sunday, and I'm sorry if the repetition's boring, but it's very, very important. Before we come to those other things, I can't emphasize enough that what we have thought about so far this morning has to be the starting point. It has to be by faith, not by rules, not by discipline. It has to be that way so that the glory goes to Jesus and it has to be that way because any other way is doomed to failure anyway. has to be pursuing righteousness by faith. And that's why the first group of things you can do to overcome those stubborn sins that you have tried and failed with has to be to do things that will build up your faith. Now, we've talked about them before. I just need to remind you here. First of all, there's prayer. God would have you to ask for his help in overcoming your sins. And more to say about that in a minute. But he would also have you ask for more faith. Because faith, of course, is a gift from him. It's not something you can work up for yourself. So pray for faith. The next thing that helps to keep your faith strong and make it stronger is hearing God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to know about those promises of future blessing and to believe them. You need to know about the power of God to fulfill his promises. You need reassurance that he is committed to fulfill his promises to you. So reading Hearing the preaching of God's word, if you have a sin to overcome, read, listen, learn about these things. And then there's fellowship with other Christians. That's another thing that will build up and strengthen your faith. Faith is strengthened when it's encouraged, and one of the responsibilities God has given to all of us is to encourage one another. Doesn't mean you need to tell everybody about your sin, but don't let it cut you off from friends who can encourage you. 
And it might be a good thing to have one or two close friends, trusted friends, who you can tell about your sin so that they can encourage you specifically and share the burden with you. That will strengthen your faith. And practice is the other thing that strengthens faith. Now, it might have nothing to do with the specific sin you're concerned about, but the more you practice living by faith in other aspects of your life, the stronger your faith will become, the better position you'll be in to overcome that stubborn sin. So build up your faith then. Build up your spiritual muscle, the muscle you're going to need to tighten the noose and strangle the deeds of the flesh. Spiritual muscle to cut off the lifeblood of temptation and kill it by faith. There's some other things you can do when the desires and habits of the flesh are persistent and strong and when the flesh is tricky and deceitful. The next thing is to remember who it is who's doing the work. Remember who it is who's doing the work. You depend on the Holy Spirit to put your sin to death. By the Spirit put to death the deeds of the flesh. So if you depend on him to do the work, well, it makes sense then that you don't grieve the Spirit. You don't offend him with other sin in your life. You don't quench him by ignoring his leading and guiding. In other words, you're led by the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit. Don't think that you can be strong enough to overcome any sin if you're not walking closely with the Lord. A lot of people make a big mistake here. They have one particular sin that they want to get rid of. Maybe it's one they're particularly ashamed of. Maybe it's because they've been discovered. Maybe it's because it's making their life difficult. They want to overcome that one particular sin, but they go on living sinfully in other ways. Their relationship with the Lord's not good, and they're not growing in godliness. They're in poor shape spiritually, and it doesn't work, and it's not surprising that it doesn't work. You depend on the Holy Spirit to put your sin to death, so don't grieve the Spirit, don't quench the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And by the way, always be careful to get this one the right way round. If you've not been walking in the Spirit, come to God in humility and repentance and seek forgiveness and restoration by His grace. Because that's how you find it. Then look for grace to sort out your life and overcome your sin. But if you put it the other way around and try to sort out yourself or overcome your sin first, then what you're going to do is to end up trying to earn your way back to God. How often we've fallen for that one too, haven't we? We struggle with this sin. We fall to it again and again and we think, I can't just come to God now and ask for his help. I've got to prove to him that I really mean it. I have got to overcome this sin, and then I can come to God. Wrong way around. You can't do it on your own. It's the Spirit who puts the sin to death. Never think, I have to have this sin beaten before I can come back to God. So remember who's doing the work. Pray. It's the next thing. I mentioned prayer for more faith, and by all means, pray for that. That's important. But also pray specifically about your sin. I'm surprised how many people don't. Maybe they're ashamed to mention it to God. 
And in some ways, it's, it's good to be ashamed of your sin, but you need his spirit to work on that sin. And he would have you ask for his help. Sometimes he would have you ask earnestly and repeatedly, sometimes with prayer and even fasting. But remember that God is gracious. Hebrews 4.15, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You're struggling with your sin. He would have you come to his throne of grace. And remember, it's a throne of grace he's on. That's a grace where undeserved blessing is handed out. It's not a throne where you need to earn your way. Come to him. Come to his throne of grace to find grace and mercy to help in time of need. So pray. Acknowledge your need. And do it with praise and thanksgiving too, by the way. I guess Philippians 4 verse 6 applies here as well. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Tell God about your sin. Tell your sin about God. What a great God he is. How loving, gracious he is. So where are we? Remember who's doing the work. Pray. Identify the sin. Identify the sin that you want to deal with specifically. Name it. Call it out. The flesh is very tricky. I've said that a few times. It plays a lot on habit. And habit especially seems to play a big part in some of these stubborn sins that are hard to shift. You remember what habit is. We've talked about it before. It's something you've practiced to the point where it becomes second nature to you. Certain situations arise and you just do it before you've known it. It's the nature of habit. More often than not, you've done it before you have time to think. So identify the sin specifically. Be watching out for it. Look for patterns in it. What provokes it? When is it likely to happen? Is it when you're alone? Is it when you're bored? Is it when you're walking through Marks and Spencer's or PC World? Learn all you can about your sin so that you can be ready for it when it comes. You might need a bit of help with that. Other people might be able to see the patterns um, sooner than you can see them yourself. So identify your sin. Next, pop your sin in the head every time it moves. Don't give it any opportunity. As soon as you see it rear its head, get back up there on the cross where you belong. Give it no opportunity. And sometimes people fall for that one with, oh sure, once won't do you any harm. The more you practice it, the more it becomes a habit, the harder it is to stop it. You give in once and that desire gets stronger. And then again, avoid the temptation when you can. If Marks and Spencer's is a problem for you, well, it's not sinful to go there, but it might be wise for you to stay out of it for a while. If the smell of drink starts you craving, why do you go to the pub? It's not sinful to go to pubs. At least it's no more sinful than going to Marks and Spencer's. You know, I reckon there's as much sin spawned in there as there is in any pub. 
But if the smell of drink starts you craving, stay away from the smell of drink. And if boredom and loneliness is what brings you down, don't spend a lot of time on your own. Now, I'm not talking about avoiding every temptation. That's just not possible. You can't do that. The problem is in your flesh, not out there in the world, and you can't run away from your flesh. But if the flesh is giving you a particularly hard time in certain situations, then starve it of the opportunity. Avoid those situations if you can. And another thing you can do is to replace your sin, especially if it's one of those habit sins. The best way to break a habit is to replace it with another habit. If you get into mischief when you're bored, then plan something else for the times when you know you're going to be. Practice that then until it becomes the habit. What should Christians do when they have time on their hands anyway? Have you ever thought about that? If your sinful habit is thieving, read in Ephesians 4, let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him work with his hands that he may have something to give to him who is in need. If it's lying, then train yourself to speak the truth. Replace your sin with good behavior. Train yourself in what is good until that becomes a habit. Until it becomes as easy to do the right thing as it now is to do the sinful thing. And it will come like that with practice. Now I know you're thinking at this stage, this is starting to sound a lot like hard work and rules and discipline again, isn't it? Hmm. Didn't I say it shouldn't be that? I did, yes. But here's the thing. The battle with the flesh is a battle. It is hard work. It's going to be hard work. There is striving to go in at the narrow gate. Discipline is involved. But listen to this. It's not discipline merely in an effort to avoid sin. It is discipline in the pursuit of something excellent that my heart craves and wants above anything else. That's why it was so important to emphasize that it starts with faith. Faith in God's promises. A vision of that stream of infinite blessing flowing from God to you. It's not discipline in an effort to avoid sin. It's discipline in an effort to gain something far, far better. When you start with that, the discipline is not a chore or a burden. It's joyful discipline. It's driven by a heart that longs for righteousness. Well, okay then, it's not tough discipline. It's joyful discipline, but isn't this my work overcoming the sin, if I do all these things you're talking about here, wouldn't it be more glorifying to God if he just took the sin away and made me good? Well, no, it's not holiness by works. Again, this is why you have to get the starting point right. And anyway, you know it can't be your effort that brings the success because you have tried and you have failed and you know your effort just doesn't work. Here's how it goes. Lord, I have this sin and I've tried to stop it and I can't. Lord, would you kill this one, please? 
Your spirit has told me in your word that happiness can only be found in you. And I, I believe that. Your spirit has told me about infinite blessing ahead for those who trust you. Looking forward to that. I, I believe that too. So Lord, I know now that I don't need to do this sin and I'm determined not to. And I pray that by your spirit, you will increase my faith. Turn up the brightness of that vision of future blessing and help me to do those things that will increase my faith. Your Spirit has told me that you increase faith through prayer and your word and fellowship and practice. So I'm going to give myself to those things with your Spirit's help. And actually, that's not hard because really they're all the things that your Spirit has made me love anyway. I love your words. Love my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Lord, sometimes the flesh is tricky and its desires are strong. So for now, I'm, I'm going to avoid some situations. But you know, there are places I, I, I don't really need to go to anyway and stuff that I really don't need to do anyway. There's no sacrifice or burden in avoiding those things. And anyway, Lord, your, your, your spirit has made me love you so much that I could be happy anywhere. And I'm going to find other things to do when I'm tempted. Good things. But hey, it's better to do good things anyway, isn't it? I mean, that's what I think anyway, since your spirit has given me this new nature with a desire to be holy and, and, and righteous. That, that's how it goes. Now, you tell me, is, is, is that discipline? Or is it just being what the Holy Spirit has made you want to be? It's all his doing, isn't it? Really. God works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He puts the desires in there that you need. It all comes back to walking in the Spirit. Paul said in Galatians 5, verse 16, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. No, there's too much miserable sinner Christianity about, isn't there? Heard of that, haven't you? Joyless Christians berating themselves for their sin and their weakness. Joyless, anxious Christians struggling to overcome sins and beating themselves up every time they get it wrong. Burdened Christians living under the heavy yoke of thou shalt not. Don't do this, don't do that, don't go here, don't go there. And it's not making them one bit more godly, it just makes them grumpy. Too much miserable sinner Christianity about Paul has told us, stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. He said, we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. You want to forget about all that I've said this morning and just remember one thing. If you're struggling with a sin, Finding it hard to give it up. Get that relationship with God 
that we've been talking about all of these weeks. The relationship of walking in the Spirit. A joyful, peaceful relationship. A relationship where your heart delights in Him, where it is filled to overflowing with joy in the free, gracious blessings that He has prepared for those who are in Christ. Let that thought fill you and thrill you so much that your sin loses its power to tempt you. We, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Let's pray. Lord, we do come before you now to pray for one another. We all know what that battle is, that battle with with sin and the flesh. We all fight it every day. And we have all known what it is to contend with specific sins that keep coming up again and again. And we have known what it is to try and to fail. And we pray for any who might be struggling in that way just now. We pray, Lord, that you might be gracious to help them. Lord, it is an intense spiritual battle that we are talking about. But you are gracious and you have given us those things that are necessary to fight and to win that battle. You have set us free from enslavement to sin by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. You have given us many glorious promises to believe in. And we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith in those promises and help us in faith to take up the sword of the Spirit and wield it with skill and with accuracy to rob our temptations of their power to seduce us. And help us then, Lord, in love for you and in a desire for righteousness and in longing for those future blessings that you have led up for us. Help us, Lord, then with joyful hearts to take those steps of discipline that are necessary in order to walk with you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.